Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. Um, and this has been an intriguing year. You know, during the primary COVID year, we did a bunch of series. Um, this year, we've been doing a monthly series on stories becoming more human. And then we've interspersed them with, you know, just other random podcasts and conversations. And everybody who knows who listens to this is I love asking questions. Um, and this, this podcast got started because somebody gave me a dare. Um, that I'm not having the conversations that I'm really having. So they wanted to hear them. So today, as we as we talk about this conversation, is it really came up around um, just a setting in San Diego, and we were having a conversation. And so today I'm with Dave Lowen, who's the superintendent of Surrey Christian School, and is transitioning to a new job called uh, as executive director of Society of Christian Schools in BC. And Dave, we were sitting around and having a conversation and having drinks. And that's what this whole podcast was meant to be. is like, what are the conversations you're having while you're having drinks or just hanging out? And, and you had mentioned something that really intrigued me. And you started talking about, and we never even got a chance to dig deep into it, but you had mentioned just a comment about talking about a beautiful story school. Right. So, so go back to that and, and help me understand or help our audience understand, because I'm super intrigued because I've never heard anyone refer to a school as a beautiful story school. Okay, well, first of all, I'm just going to say, I think what happened was we started the conversation and then the wings came and I lost you. I think that's what happened. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so this is my, my way of trying to understand how schools fit in a paradigm that inspire me and stuff. So I sort of, it's in rough form, but I, uh, yeah, when I think of being in schools that I both served in, schools I've been involved in, like inspections and just visited, uh, I think of sort of a, a paradigm of, of levels and so you think of the schools that that uh that just aren't doing well right we've, we've known or seen schools that actually sometimes they close they just they can't get to a place where they're sustainable and it can be for a myriad of reasons whether it's financial capacity or enrollment or, or leadership or whatever and so that, that's sort of that category of of the yeah the, the the lamented schools right that don't that don't end up uh working out um and then there's schools that i've been in that are just they're kind of just surviving uh, and people are working really hard. And I think of I think of one specific school with good intentioned people. And I remember listening to the board chair say, look, we need help because we are not going to get to thriving. We are just pulling all stops out just to maintain stuff, right? And that's, again, there was a financial sustainability issue attached and some leadership stuff there. Uh, and so yeah, those schools survive. And then there's a school that I call good schools. Uh, and there are, there are myriad, there are many, many uh, good schools and they do, and I'm thinking in a Christian school context, but also it could be, it doesn't have to be a Christian school context and non-religious context, but they do, they often do the three A's very well. They do athletics, arts, and academics. And then they might weave in, you know, kind of some icing on the cake with a little bit of character education or, you know, some Jesus stuff if they're a Christian school, but they're good. Um, and then the next level for me is I've been, I've been, I think, captivated by being in some schools where, and it's the kind of school I hope to be moving my own school towards. And that's the beautiful story school. And those schools, there's something there that captures you. And for me, it seems to be these schools are very attuned to their particular context. And so they know where they've come from. Um, they have a sense of who's in their school and where it's going. Uh, and they're trying to 
inform students for a future of where it's going, uh, but they're doing it in a way that fits the context of their student body. Um, and so and it, yeah, it requires sort of like a, like a exegeting, you know, your own culture, the biblical story yourself, all those things, exegeting all of those well, and then saying, how do we map a direction forward? Um, that's beautiful, inspiring. And so, yeah, that, that's sort of my, my way of seeing things where it's like, why does this school capture me so readily? And I, I love it because I, I think, you know, where, you know, you, you, you talk about the different types of schools and in that, and, and I do, I get to visit a lot of really good right, schools yeah. and you go to them and you see the really good things that they're doing and your three A's are perfect, you know, and yeah. then the, you know, whatever it is. And, and it is, it's, it's healthy and they're doing well, but, but it lacks a little bit of the soul or yes. like yeah, yeah. you walk into other schools where it's like, you can feel immediately yep. that there's something different it's just in the air and so I'm wondering like you know as you think about like the beautiful story school or you know like and, and you talk about being attuned to the context what about like those schools like why are they different or how are they different yeah. or what would be some things that you would pull out that says you know what here's a really good school but you know what, here's a school that's got a heart to it and a heartbeat that's really driving it yeah. in a unique way. Yeah, I think, I think, and again, this is all like in process. I think those schools um, are better at avoiding the seduction of formula. So, um, so you, can walk, like you can walk in and say, I, you're new at a head of school, you're like, I want to fix this school up. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be a project-based learning school. It's going to be an international baccalaureate school or an advanced placement school or whatever it is. And you're going to take one of those templates, those formulas and, in, and drop it into your school. And it's going to become a good school. Those are good formulas. Um, and, and being an international baccalaureate or project it doesn't preclude it becoming a, a beautiful school, but it doesn't guarantee it either, actually. Right. It, it, this isn't the formula for like richness. It's good. So I'm going to think of the, one of the examples that, that has triggered me the most in this is a little school in British Columbia on Vancouver Island called Duncan Christian School. It was created, I don't know, 60, 70 years ago by Dutch immigrants, primarily Dutch immigrant families, then a broad note to broader Christendom. Duncan, British Columbia is the highest concentrations of First Nations Indigenous families in the province of BC. So two leaders, Kevin Vischer and Jeremy Tinsley, uh, just that reality sunk into them. And they transitioned that school from its Dutch immigrant roots to uh, a population of 40% First Nations Indigenous. Uh, and there was fear amongst the set families. But you walk into that school and it is not a school that fits in any part of the world. It fits there tightly and it's beautiful. And the Indigenous stories are there and there's Indigenous elders in the school serving and volunteering and kids can learn about their First Nations language. And so the kids who come from you know, a Dutch Christian heritage or understanding that what it means to live in Duncan. It means this is the story of thousands of years. So I walk in, I get goosebumps talking about it, Eric, because it's like, this is not a formula someone's thrown down on here. This is the, this is the hard work of a journey. So the formula thing is kind of like, we don't want our teachers to run their whole classroom with handouts. And I think as leaders, let's not take the handout of the structure, you know, kind of a fill in the blank, uh, you know, and I think, so that's, that's the example for me. I think that's what captures. It's like, this is the, and I've seen that, I think of Mustard Seed School in, uh, in New York, there's schools where it's like, this is their context. 
and they're nailing it. They're they're going after their people and their community, uh, and it's inspiring. I think it's inspiring to people outside the story of Christendom. So yeah, I don't know if that helps. No, that's incredible because because yeah, I'm taking notes, and so I've got so many things. There's some great stuff here. <laughs> One of the things that I'm interested because in, you, you mentioned Duncan Christian. I do know Mustard Seed. My favorite school that I would put in this beautiful story category is called Augustine Prep. And anytime I'm driving through um, the Midwest, Chicago, Milwaukee, like I stop and spend a day there yeah, because cool. it's like this is a beautiful story school. And one of the things I love about Augustine Prep is that since they've opened, right, and they won't take full credit for this, but since they've opened, crime in their neighborhood has gone down 42 percent. Yeah. And, and, and you walk in That's the, the doors of this building and you just feel something different. And, and this is conversations that I have with leaders at these schools. And I'm wondering your perspective on leadership. These are high capacity leaders, but there's something different about them. Yeah. Like, what would you like pull apart is if you're thinking about and even as we talk to educators and leaders, like what would be some of those things that you've noticed about these leaders that just might be different than even those highly successful, really good schools. Yeah. So, yeah, I think when I think of that, I, I think, well, I think right now, and I teach in uh, a graduate program in, in leadership, um, I think there's a pretty strong push to graduate people with like really high executive function. They've got, you know, operationally sound, they've got systems, right? Um, I think the leadership in the schools that are beautiful schools, um, they may have that, uh, and probably most likely a, a sniffing level that, but I think they come with the question of uh, a kind of a posture, uh, maybe of listening a bit, and, and, and the why. Like, what does it mean to be human in this context? What does it mean to follow Jesus in this context? And it, to me, it fits. It's the same, I don't know, you know, my, my childhood upbringing was a pretty uh, conservative church, you know, we would call it pretty extremely fundamentalist. And I think, um, and there was beautiful things in that, but the mistakes we make in, in how we handle the Bible are the same as this. So when you take Paul's writings and you just say, you know, you take this, the letters to, the, to Corinth and you just slam them down into Surrey, British Columbia. I'm like, well, I'm not sure that's what they're meant for, right? Um, so either reading ourselves into scripture or vice versa, as opposed to saying, okay, who is Paul writing to? You know, the Bible is historical, theological, and literary. What's the style of writing? Who is he writing to? What's the context? And what do we learn based on the rich discovery of that, that we then apply to who we are as humans in our context and future? And I think same for schools, as opposed to just saying, here's what's going on in this good school and slamming into ours. So I think those leaders have a posture of like listening, or maybe it's curiosity. Like, what's my school community? What are the demographics? Who was here before me? I, I think, you know, some leaders come into schools, they don't talk to the former leaders even. Like, when do you want to know that? Like, when I move into my neighborhood, some, you know, this old lady who was in the farmhouse that subdivided into my subdivision, she was in her 90s. She welcomed me. And I thought, why didn't I go to her first? She's lived here for 70 years, subdivided the farm into a subdivision. And I'm on, you know, her family's heritage land. So the idea of like, when you go into a place, who are these people? What's going on before me? Uh, what's beautiful about them? Um, you know, what, and then also, what's lament here? What's hard here, right? And so I think there's just a, a more human curiosity around the people. Um, yeah, I, that's my, and then I think the second thing is just the, I don't know how do you, and I don't think, I think if Jeremy and Kevin, I don't think they'd use this language about themselves when they were in Duncan, but I think there's a bit of an ability to dream. 
um, that's something and they're dreaming about something that actually doesn't already exist. And that's why it's not a formula. They can, you know, where's the formula for 40% First Nations kid in a school that, you know, was predominantly Dutch immigrants. And so there's some ability to imagine something and maybe it's not concrete dream. It's like, it's sort of vague, but there's something beautiful out there that we need to pursue or move towards. And so I don't know, I don't know how to frame that in psychological language, but some kind of dreaming posture. Well, I, I think the, the interesting question, I, I'd be interested from your own leadership or what you've even taken in because, you know, you're, you're at a, a sizable school, right? And so the pressures to do all of the technical things the right way yes. or the pressures to be able to say, hey, you know what, um, <clears throat> we're big or we're older, we get to these places of capacity and size. And sometimes people go, the best way to manage this is the bureaucratic technical solutions. Yeah. And and, and there is a part of leadership that is allowing for a little bit of the mess and the chaos of those things. But I'm interested, too, because the other idea oftentimes in school leadership is that we place a huge emphasis, and it goes to the dream idea, the huge emphasis on the leader as the visionary, where it sounds like a little bit of your kind of um, explanation there of dreaming is it's like it's not just my dreams yeah it's like how do we dream together how do we cultivate a bigger dream for the us i mean what are some of the thoughts on that yeah i told i think uh i mean you've triggered a bunch of thoughts in my mind i think one is that leadership management uh mixture right and people will say like i've used to you know i started out in principle people like oh i'm not a manager i'm a leader and you know i'm like well actually you know, management actually allows you to do the leadership stuff. You don't manage your budget well. It doesn't matter what, how beautiful your vision is. The school is going down quickly. And so, but my language around that is, you know, management serves leader. If you, you're, you're corporately painting this beautiful picture and then you're managing yourself in that direction, right? And so you need to do, so I'm not a high attention detail person. Uh, I work hard to review the budget, I think, because it actually is, it is the, the embodiment of the vision, like where we spend our money. Tony Campoli used to always say that. Don't tell me how much you love Jesus. You know, show me your, back then, your day timer, because it's old school. And show me your day timer. Show me your bank, your checking account. Where are you spending your money? So same in a school. Where do we spend our resources, which are time, our humanness, right? Our energies, our loves. Where do we spend that? And where do we spend our money? So I think that relationship is important. Um, but I think there is. There's a corporate, um, you know, when we've done strategic planning here, uh, you know, I, I uh, it, it took like seven months the first time because we had all these town hall meetings uh, and people thought this is ridiculous. I actually got pretty open criticism from some pretty important leaders across North America. Actually, it was a little daunting, but the school had merged. We'd merged a couple of schools together and it was kind of like a start from square one. And so we I just thought we need to figure this out. So we we did these dream times so that we had flip chart paper and and we had parents at round tables like, where do you want this place to be? with your child's spiritual formation? Where do you want to be as far as the relationship to the community? Like what are the, and so the questions you ask actually, now I think about are probably almost as important as the answers you get, right? If you don't ask the right questions, if you just say, what kind of buildings do you want? Which is often how we measure our success, right? But if you ask, how do we want to be known in the community? How do we want all that stuff? And so we did that uh, multiple times and then we pulled all that together. And we, you know, we spat it back out to, to parents and staff to be transparent. And out of that, we wove together this, monstrous strategic plan that included things like you know our our relationship to the community externally and internally and all that kind of stuff and then we pursued it so i think i think we don't off maybe what i'm as i'm speak thinking which is common for me 
I think I'm I'm coming in. Maybe we do. We just don't often take the time um, to do the hard work of saying where do we want to go and let's let everybody throw that stuff on the table. And I think people want to dream about the future of the school for their children. And I think teachers teachers don't come to this job because they're trying to get you know they're trying to be the next Jeff Bezos. They come because they care about not that he doesn't care about children, but they come because they're invested. And so let them dream. What do you want for your students, right? So I think that that corporate dreaming is important. Um, yeah, it builds capacity as well. I think people sort of gird themselves up with energy when they get excited about something. So maybe, yeah, there's so many questions I have. And so maybe future conversations with this too, as, as we as we think about it. But one of the questions I'm wondering about, because there is that place and you talked about, you know, there I, I, in my work, right? I think I found it easier, you know, as you described beautiful story schools for startups, or for complete and utter turnarounds to become yes. to become that. But then I, you know, I've met with a lot of really successful schools that are doing, like you said, mentioned doing great things. But you can just tell that, like the same heart, the same soul, the same spirit, those same dreams aren't there. But the success is there. The technical yep. success is there. What would you say to leaders of schools like that to be able to say, hey, you know what, we've we've kind of made it. Yeah, but, yeah. but we know we're not quite to that beautiful yeah, yeah, story right. place. Like, how would you talk to a leader who's doing really good work, but then like <clears throat> the ramifications of changing anything are way more significant in some ways. And yeah, you cultivate those conversations yeah. to dream at a place that has success. Yeah. And that is, I, I think that is probably the toughest. Like if you come into a school that is, you know, on the margins of survival, there's almost like an openness to it, right? Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll try that. Like, Dave Lowen, that sounds like a crazy idea, but it's better than closing down, so let's do it, right? Like, so I, I, yeah, I think there's, there's, and when schools are doing well, I think I've come into, uh, I've come into a school before where um, there was a pretty good self-perception of doing well. And, and then, so the conversations then weren't, were about, uh, in that context, was trying to lay the groundwork and like, what what does that look like then? What do we what do we really believe it means to do well? Uh, and and so there's has to be so it's beginning with conversations and questions before you get to the dreaming stage. Um, what do we what what's our deep hope for our kids? So we use that language from teaching transformation here. Uh, you know Daryl DeBoer and that gang, um, but we use that language of like what is your what is your ultimate dream for your children? Like what's your and, and is it? And and I'm just gonna name for some families. I think. It might be for them to is upper mobility in this like so so there might might not be a fit or there might be a might be some challenge. There's been challenging conversations for us around that because I think of a family who was thinking of leaving to a school that had a you know a, a really strong academic reputation. He just said, "So my kid didn't get into the right university. Why? Then get a better paying job." And I you know had to say then that you should go because actually that's not our dream. Our dream is that your kid transforms the world for Jesus. And maybe that they go to Harvard Med School and, and be the lead surgeon at Cedar sinai Hospital, or maybe that um, they end up volunteering in church-forsaken parts of Papua New Guinea. We don't know what God's calling, but our, our, you know, our, our dream is that. So that's also the challenge, is that in North America, <clears throat> I think our, our Christianity has nuances, upper mobility, that we always have that. It's always going to be, because we're a wealthy, wealthy North American place, right? But I think, to go back to the original question you asked, is I think it's, it's just asking those questions. What, like, what do you really dream for your kid? And I, 
you know, that, that challenge for me as a dad would be, if I don't work hard at that question, I can default to, I want my kid to get married, have 2.2 kids, a dog, a picket fence and a BMW. Um, but if I really delve deep into who I believe Jesus is in my life, maybe I want my kid to follow Jesus anywhere. Um, and, uh, but that, to be honest, I'm not formed that way. I'm formed in North America and my formation isn't culturally, isn't that my kid follows Jesus to the ends of the earth actually, and stay single even maybe like all, like all the, the values and cultural norms. Um, and so those kind of conversations are important and they just might not be for everybody, um, in a non-judgmental way. But I think that's the, yeah, that's the hard work of how do we, yeah, encouraging leaders to engage conversations with board members. And, um, and it doesn't mean like, a, it doesn't mean again, like being an international baccalaureate or a project-based learning doesn't preclude the beautiful school. It's, is it's a means to what end, right? Yes. What are the projects shaped towards? What do you, what kind of human are you shaping in those assignments? So it's not like either, or you can do the three A's well for the kingdom. I believe that strongly. Well, and it's a great, that, that great difference between, I think like, you know, I, I'm working with a school right now that um, went with one of those programs yep. to solve, pro solve a problem rather than an outworking of that, those dreams and that deep hope. Right. And so it's like, so it's asking those questions. Okay. Why did you choose? Why did you get this? And then why yeah. isn't it working? Right. You know, as yeah. it's, as it gets implemented, um, what, what, maybe last question for you. And as, as we close out, cause, cause, cause educators are exhausted. Yeah. Um, no, you know, and you mentioned, right. We're, we're, we're at the place where, you know what, our deep hopes were to make it are, are to make an impact on kids, on communities, on, you know, whatever it might be. And it is telling us when you talk about a beautiful story school, I find that schools don't actually tell their story very well. So as a leader, what would you encourage to a teacher, to yeah. a leader of a school, as as somebody how how do you encourage people to tell a story their story of the school so that then it does it does kind of you know create the energy to yes. get to those deep hopes and to those dreams and to avoid the, i love your comment avoid the seduction of formula like how do you how, what would be your encouragement as we close out a school year to tell those stories yeah totally i think yeah, and in the midst of the fatigue, and so even like a beautiful school, a beautiful story school also is subversive enough to say, we don't have to be driven all the time, actually, we can just do care, right? So in the context, like I think of where we're at in these remaining two months in our school, we're just trying to make sure staff finish well and finish whole. Uh, and as someone who's kind of a driver, the, that for me, that's, I feel that's like subversive for me. Other people, that's not very subversive. Just slow down and be kind, actually, as a subversive activity, which in our culture of like, you know, measurable outcomes, it's almost as subversive to say, we're just going to be kind and take care of each other, actually kind to ourselves, kind to others. But the storytelling thing is important. I think when I came here, I felt like I was making promises. I think of donors and board members. Now I feel like um, I'm showing artifacts of our pursuit of those promises. And one of the real, and we've wrestled with how to do this well, one of the real, so we do these mini celebrations of learning, really simple. So our school day ends at three o'clock at two o'clock, Parents are invited into, you know, the, this grade three class and the kids have all their stuff out and they're, they're just showing what they're doing, right? Like real concrete stuff. But we've also hired a storyteller, Eric. We have someone whose job, 50%, is their job title of storyteller. 
And we debated on job titles. I'm like, I want the job storyteller. I just want it. And he just goes around and he's a videographer and a, and a multimedia tech teacher. And what, so it's real work for our students because he's got students taking capturing. But he's finding these stories in classrooms, right? Like, how do we embody this stuff? It, it, chapels and mission trips are great. But the day-to-day, -day, you know, grunt and grind of a classroom is where we're forming our children really deeply. Um, and so we do these formational learning experiences. And he's capturing those in one to five minute little videos and we're pushing those out to parents every two weeks and saying, this is what we're on about. This is the mission statement and this is how it happens in grade one, grade 12, P9. So I think, yeah, if you, how are, how are even, you know, a 10%, 20% do you have students, do you have ways you can capture these things? So parents, donors, board members realize, oh, it's happening in, in small ways at 9.39 a.m. in this grade four classroom this beautiful thing is happening actually and i think that sends a message of like um parents this is why we're here actually may not have may not have the shiniest building right now but we're actually totally forming your child and uh and then yeah i think it does that and i think it also for teachers it's kind of like oh they captured that and people liked it and you know we need that feedback and so it's real concrete feedback for a teacher like we want to capture what you're doing we think it's beautiful really uh, and it's not the big, it's not a big, you know, because we have the performances where the concert band, right? But then just that stuff, the language arts lesson that's beautiful, how do we capture that and promote it? So I think that's super important. And I've come late to that understanding, um, way too late, but I think it's important. I think it's helpful. Dave, this is incredible. And I know we could keep going, but maybe this is a start for continued conversation. Love it. But I love it. And I keep encouraging, you know, kind of keep pushing on that, that beautiful story school, because there is great fulfillment. And I, I've, I've been to those schools. And so that's where the resonate is. You just know when you're there. Yeah. Feeling right. It's a feeling. Yeah. So Dave, thank you. All right, brother. Thank you for the time. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Best wishes, buddy.